Hello everyone, my name is Marcial. I'm one of the Bible workers for the conference and I'm excited that we're almost at the end of this year and we are starting a new lesson and the lesson is going to be on Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah. And the lesson for this week, it was, uh, it's called Crisis of Identity. Crisis of Identity. And um, the memory text for this week, we can find it in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. And it's a calling from God to his people. And it says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And the lesson is starting giving two small um, stories. One saying that, just imagine that you, you are driving along the road, the country lane in Ireland, and you will probably find uh, a herd of cows coming or walking slow after their, their, their meal. And even though these cows, they may not have like a herd man, they know their owner's barn. They know how to get home because they know where they belong to. And the other small story was just imagine that a small boy is just separated from his mother at a shopping center. And even though he might not know where his mother is among the, all the other mothers walking in the shopping center, as soon as he sees his mother, he will recognize her because he knows his mother. And that word know or knowing is going to be very important all through the first um, chapter of the book of Isaiah. Because here in the book of Isaiah, at least in the first chapter, the people of God, they have a problem of identity because they don't know their God. They have forgotten the covenant. And in Isaiah chapter 2, and we're going to see this um, later on in the study of this lesson, uh, it says this, I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not have understanding. And people, they were perishing in those days because they didn't know God. Even in, in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because they didn't know God, because they were disobedient to God, they were being destroyed. And you know something amazing that I just uh, learned recently? I used to, to believe and I used to think, or I used to see uh, eternal life as an event. Something that was going to happen far away in the future when Jesus um, would come for the second time. But the Bible teaches that we can start experiencing eternal life now. Look what John chapter 17 verse 3 says. And this is eternal life. And now it's going to explain what eternal life is. Is it an event or what is it? And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
So the Bible portrays eternal life not as an event, as an event, but as knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. You and I, we can start experiencing eternal life now. We don't have to wait until the second coming. We can experience that eternal life now. And even if we die, it will be just like taking a nap. You know, that in, in the book of Isaiah, at least the first chapter, the main source or the source of, 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 the, of the book is a vision. And a vision that, is, um, I, that Isaiah is having and the, the audience that he's trying to reach is the, time, the people of Judah, the time where he is uh, being a prophet in, in Judah. And he is concerned about the condition and the destiny of the people of Judah. And what Isaiah is going to do in the book, he's going to, he's going to um, tie all the historical and political events in that certain period of time. Let's go to, let's open our Bibles and let's go to the book of Isaiah chapter 1 and let's read verse 2. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2 says this, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Or in other words, they have been disobedient. And this these very like word is the narrative of all the Bible, of all the, the, the biblical narrative, in an essence, is the people of God being disobedient to him and God running after them with loving kindness. I have ever loved you. That's the essence of the whole narrative story. God running after his children. And it's interesting that in this verse, in verse 2, when it says, O heavens and all, and all earth, this is something that the ancient um, rulers used to do when they were having like a treaty or doing or making a treaty with a lesser king. They were calling out their gods as witnesses that if someone breaks the covenant, the person who breaks the covenant was going to be punished. And in, in here, in verse 2, in Isaiah chapter 1, God, he's not calling out all the gods as witnesses because he's the only true God. But he, what he's doing, he's calling out the heavens and the earth as witnesses of the covenant of, from, of him, of his covenant and his people. And in Isaiah chapter 1, from verses from verse, yeah, from verses 1 to 9, Isaiah lists a list of sins that these people have committed against God. And even says, um, the people, they have rebelled against, against me. My people don't know me. They are evildoers. They are corrupt. They have forsaken the Lord, torn away their, their backs on him from the sole of their feet even to the head, there's nothing good, just bruises and putrefied sores. As a result of this, they were going to become like Sodom and Gomorrah, unless the Lord had left a small remnant. 
And this is the problem that we go that is going to go through all the ages. Even we know that at the end of times, there will be there will be people telling God when Jesus comes for the second time, but God, we we did um, miracles in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did uh, many wonders. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And that's a theme through all the Bible that people, the people of God, they don't know him. Because one thing is knowing God and the oh, one thing is knowing about God. Another thing is knowing, knowing God. Now, in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 to, uh, 11, verses from 11 to, to 15, says something interesting. But let's focus on, on, on the verse 11. Verse 11 says this, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Says the Lord. I had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. And if we compare that with Hosea chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, God says this, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. As at Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me. So that's the theme. That's the theme that through all the Bible, even from Adam, the humanity, they broke the covenant, the covenant they had with God. And now, of course, was God was the one who instituted all these rituals and sacrifices. But these were going to be valid just if they express faithfulness to the covenant. Because people were just like doing or performing these sacrifices. But deep in their hearts, they were far from God. They were pretending in front of other people to, to do all the sacrifices, to be good people, but their hearts was far from God. Let's go to the, to the book of um, Isaiah, you know, Isaiah chapter 1, and let's read now verses uh, 16 and 17. It says this, Wash yourself, make yourself clean. Put away the evil of your doing from 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 before my eyes cease to do evil learn to do good seek justice rebuke the oppressor defend the fatherless plead for the widow and let's compare this with matthew matthew chapter 23 okay this is very important matthew chapter 20 um 23 we're going to start reading from verses 23 to 28 it says Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. 
you blind guides, you strain out the gnat, a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but in the, on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. These verses just remind me of the story of uh, Samuel and David when God say to, said to, to Samuel that he knows the hearts of the people. We can't we can pretend to deceive people. We can pretend to, to deceive others around us, but we will never deceive God. Do not be deceived. Galatians says, God cannot be mocked. What man reaps... Man reaps what he sows. We can pretend to be close to God on the outside, but on the inside we are far from Him. And God knows all this. We cannot mock God. We don't have to pretend with God because no, God knows our hearts. And it's interesting that in the first, in the first section of, of the book of Isaiah, God is pointing out the sins of his people. He knows they don't know him. He knows they have been disobedient to the covenant. He knows they are playing a game of pretending, pretending to be good, pretending on performing all these sacrifices, but their hearts are away from him. But even though God knows all this, God is pleading with them to come to him and seek for forgiveness. Let's read again once, once again Isaiah chapter 1 verses 18 and we're going to read verse 19 as well. Verses um, 18 and 19. It says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And in 2 Corinthians as well, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, and let's read a verse 19. It says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. This is a call to repentance. This is a call to go back to the covenant, to be obedient to, to what God has established. And in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it's a very a well, well-known verse that it says, If my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and pray and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. God, so far in the book of Isaiah, in the first chapter, what God has pointed out, to, to the people of Judah, is like they, they have broken the covenant. They have been um, performing and doing all these bad deeds. 
But then he makes an appeal of hope. Then, then he makes an appeal for the people to come back to him. And if they come back, he's going to restore their land. If, if they come back, he's going to restore their lives. God says, come and let us reason together. This, um, this pleading of God of reason with his people gives his people hope. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing you can do in order for God to love you less. And there's nothing you can do in order for God to love you more. God is offering to change them. And the same and the same offer is given to you here in the in the 2020, December 2020. God is giving you the same option to you and, and, and me. Come now a little, and let us listen together. It doesn't matter how, how, uh, how bad your sin is. You can come to God because God is offering forgiveness. Now, what's going to happen if the people of God comes to him? What's going to happen if the people of God, they, they realize they have broken the covenant and they, and they, and they come to God? Let's go to the book of Isaiah. Chapter 44 and verses 22. It says, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Return to him because God has redeemed you. You know that the purpose of God, God's um, sharp words in the first part of, of, of Isaiah. The purpose of God, like pointing out their sins, the purpose of God of, of expressing seemingly these apparently sharp words against his people is because they still are not rejected. They can still come back to him. In fact, it's a pleading to come back to him. It's a pleading that if they come back to him, he's going to give them a new heart, a new relationship with him. It doesn't matter how far they have drifted away from God. If they come back, God is going to accept them and God is going to, to forgive them. Now, the interesting part in the rest, the rest of verses from verses from verse 19 to 31 in, 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 in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 1, pretty much is God saying what's going to happen with them if, if, they don't, if they don't obey. Pretty much God is just like, it's like a logical structure. It's like if you don't obey, this is what's going to happen. Instead of eating of the good of the land, you will be eaten by the sword. But the choice is yours. Is like a, like a, like a blessings and the cursings, and the blessings they were conditional, and God was saying, if you obey to me and if you come back to me, I will blot out your sins. But if you persisted to be in your in your in your evil ways, these are going to be the consequences. And it's not, and it's not that God was saying like, okay, if you don't obey me, if you don't want to. Uh, be with me, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to destroy you. Not at all. 
That's not what God is saying. Remember, Israel, Judah, they were the weakest of the weakest. They were the smallest of the smallest. And if they separated themselves from God, God was not going to be able to protect them. If they separated themselves from the source of life, they were going to die. And God, knowing this, He is warning them, Hey, if you do this, this is what is going to happen. Remember, like it's like God was just respecting the very same thing He gave or He gifted humanity with. And that thing was free will. God was respecting that. Like if they separated from God, they were going to suffer the consequences of that. C.S. Lewis says um, one of the quotes that I really, really like. He says this. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who will say to God, thy will be done. And those whom God says in the end, thy will be done. That's why God is pleading with his people to repent and to come back, to come back to him. Let's go to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses, verse 9. Verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's why God was pleading with his people, because he knew that the people, they were honoring with their lips, but their hearts were away from him. And God, knowing their true condition, was just seeing ahead of time, the consequences of being separated from from himself, the consequences that his people were going to face by pretending to have a close relationship with him, when in reality they didn't have that. And that's why God was pointing out their sins to to create in in them a sense of of like, yes, we we have sin and we need to go back to God. Now, let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 5. And we're going to read verses from 1 to 7. Isaiah, chapter chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. And this is a beautiful song. It says this, Now let me sing to my my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard. A very fruitful hill, on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wide wine press in it. So he expected to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, oh, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. And verse 4 is, is, is a beautiful verse. It says, What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done it? Why then, when I expected to bring forth good grapes, 
Did it bring forth wild grapes? What more could I have done, done to my vineyard? You know that when we sin, when we sin, God does not immediately cut us off from his presence by removing his protection. But he's patient with us, give us giving us an opportunity of forgiveness. He doesn't give up when we say no, because he knows that turning away, away from him is dangerous. And there's so much, much and there's only so much God can do because he respects our free will. And he will respect our free will. You know, like this, this um, introduction of Isaiah in chapter 1 is like when God is trying to forgive his people. When God's people, they have lost their sense of identity. When God's people, they have taken the blessings for granted. God reminds them that they are still accountable to the covenant with him. And he's merciful, and in his mercy, he points out their condition and warns them about the destructive consequences of abandoning abandon his protection. And he urged them to, uh, to, to come back, and if they come back, he's going to heal them, and he is going to cleanse them. The question for you is, what else can God do in order for you to give your heart to God. It doesn't matter the situation you're in. It doesn't matter how bad the sin that you have committed. God is calling you today and telling you, come now and let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Is your heart broken? God can fix it. Do you need your sins to be forgiven? God can forgive those sins. Do you, do you want the guilt to be taken away from you? God can do that for you. But the choice is yours. And that's the message of Isaiah chapter 1. The choice is yours. In front of you, you have the blessings and the cursings. But God loves you so much that he will respect your free will. But God call, is calling you today to give your heart to him the question is will you come will you come what more could i have done to my vineyard that i have not done it if we are honest in answering that question there's nothing more god could have done for us everything is done everything was accomplished at the cross and at the, at the resurrection now the gift is yours if you accept it, God bless you.